Welcome to the Room for Error podcast. This is episode number four, and this is the podcast with the worst turnover margin in the country. I'm Cole Sheets, and I'm with my brother from another mother. <laughs> Dan Way to spit that one out, Cole. Today, Junior. You had to think about what parent it was for a second. You're like, oh, it doesn't rhyme with father. It doesn't rhyme with uncle? My brother from another uncle? No, that doesn't make any sense. You never know. Things get wild. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, welcome. Glad to be back after uh, my two-week sabbatical. So th- thanks for having me back. I, I Dan thought... was in rehab. It, it it happens once in a while. Every now and then. Happened to Vincent Chase. Happened to me. You know, both stars in their own right. Um, but glad to be back. I'm surprised I didn't get place, replaced in the last two weeks. No, you know, I, you know, I thought about it. I, You know, there was... Uh... Was there open interviews while I was gone? Yeah, I... Brett Spurgeon, you know, replied to our tweet when we when we put it up, and he said, "Call me," or you know, or whatever that was. And I'll be honest, I was a little tempted. I thought it'd be fun, but I didn't want to do you like that. I didn't want to do you dirty on on the fourth episode. So we uh, now we get to episode eight. Dan, bye, bye, Dan. We'll just have a guest speaker. I thought about going all Colin Cowherd on it and like grandstanding by myself, just but doing yourself. Nah, that would have been so dumb. I feel like, although I talk to myself all all the time the yeah, way it is. Like, so. don't get me wrong. Well, yeah, I do too, but. Cowherd sounds like such a douche. Like, just sitting there like he's talking to himself and like he's got one hot girl in the studio with him. And like, do you think that he thinks he sounds tough when he sits there? He's been doing it forever. Rosillo Rosillo does it too, although he usually has Saruti or somebody there. Rosillo is the go. I love Rosillo. He's one of my favorites. Rosillo is also pretty ripped. Like, he probably beat me up. Oh, yeah. I think he was a garbage man or like a construction contractor before he got into that work. Um. You know, the one thing, speaking of Cowherd, my brother does say this, so, you know, and, and he's good at it. Um, nobody listens to him because they think he's, you know, intelligent, has really good points, although sometimes he may. They, they listen to him because they think he's a grandstanding jackass. So, there's that. That makes sense. Yeah, but, that makes sense. But, well, hey, everyone, welcome back. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. We got uh, a fully loaded rundown here, and uh, we're going to we're gonna skim over some other things that we usually would spend a little bit more time on. Um Again, because life gets in the way a little bit here, um, Dan. We didn't get Dan for that, um, you know, that Sunday or Monday of last week, and so we're moving episode four to now. And it got in the way for me as well. I did not have time to get a cocktail of the month, but our cocktails. We are doing some individuals um, here. I've got the uh, nice, tasty Boulevard wheat beer. Uh, I recently went and took a tour of the Boulevard Brewery, and there's a home run by Yasmani Grandal. That didn't take very long. Nope, it's two to nothing. I almost. I almost took the money line on the Brewers tonight. They were like plus 180. Oh, my. That would have been fun. Can I just throw this out there before we get any further? A one-game playoff in a 162-game season is a terrible way to decide yeah, who's on. I'm not sure if I understand that fully, but, you know, whatever. All right. Get back to it. So, uh, again, I, I t- toured the Boulevard uh, Wheat Beer uh, brewery for, I think it was the second or third time, and that place is awesome. If you've never been down there in Kansas City, I highly recommend it. Um, so that's what I'm drinking today, Dan. Dan, what'd you what'd you pull out of the fridge? Down I, here, buddy? I pulled out Wisconsin Belgian Red. It is a it, it's it's a Wisconsin Belgian Red. I think it, it's I, sour. Maybe? Yeah, doesn't it kind of taste like cherries? I think that might be the cherry it's beer. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. What, yeah. So is that what brought you to Kansas City? Was the blue? I don't even know. No, we went down that. and visited uh, Tori and Dalton. For those of you listening oh. who are unfamiliar, that's my uh, sister in law and her Canadian husband. He is. Hey. Freaking amazing at hockey. I've watched him play. He played for the Cyclones, in fact. He's a Iowa State hockey alum. Is, is he playing hockey down there? No, he's not. 
I asked. He was gonna he was gonna try out for semi pro stuff, but he has had some things where he's had to go back and forth between Canada quite a bit, and so it just didn't really have the time. But he's uh, he's gonna be a firefighter. A firefighter, very good. Yeah, dude, he's a very brave young man. If Trump doesn't deport him first. Yeah, <laughs> there. Yeah, jokes on you. The wall has been to the north the entire time. <laughs> Stay out of here, Canadians. Oh, so gosh. no cocktail of the month this uh, this week, but um, well, it can't really be called cocktail of the month because you know we do this weekly. Um, way to go, Dan! You idiot. Messed up my first. Oh, wow. that one tastes a lot more cherries. That really think. that didn't take long. You dummy. Oh, maybe you grabbed a different. one. I have different beers here. That's oh, why they go. taste so different. Oh, way to go. Uh, so let's get into it here. Uh, first up, Cyclone and Hawkeye reaction. Um, Hawks were off in Week Four. ULM. Uh, Iowa State had ULM at home. At a record-setting day, 715 yards of offense. Pretty much didn't do anything wrong the entire day. ULM's quarterback's really athletic. Real Mitchell got some playing time. What else is there to say? Yeah, um, I was sitting there. I think I watched the first quarter via GameCast on my cell phone, and it started off with a bad read, um, interception, a fumble, and Iowa State never looked back from then. Put up a bunch of yards. Brock Purdy broke some records. Um, we saw Real Mitchell and everybody, the hype that he's been talking about. And, and I can't tell you how many people I've seen have tweeted me or texted me, hey, we need to put Real Mitchell over at running back. Stop it. Oh, don't even talk. Don't get me started. Stop. You know, so, but that was fun to see um, some of the other stuff. Iowa, where was Iowa at week four? Trying they, to uh, they were off. They were off week yeah, four. They yeah, had, they had a bye, yeah. and then they had a middle Tennessee in week five. Right, right. Mm. So, um, really nothing wrong to say for Iowa, they had a, again, they actually had their own record setting day from what I heard. Um, I believe I heard Chris Williams and Ross Peterson say today that um, it was the highest offensive output of any Kirk Ferentz team. Which is ridiculous as long as he's been there. I know it. They had 613 yards of offense, I believe. That's all. Torrin Young had 135 on the ground, but they had like eight rushers attempt a rush, which is pretty incredible. Well, I just think the fact of, you know, for them to put up the most yards of offense they ever have underference um, there's been a lot of good offensive team I mean hyphen that Iowa good offensive teams they're not known for putting up a lot of yards or points but go back we had teams with Brad banks and Dallas Clark and you know even drew Tate put up a lot of yards and a lot of games so for them to do it here um, was you know kind of interesting for me that that was a point but yeah once again they completely rolled can't really take away much um, basically like the Iowa State ULM game a pretty inferior opponent. Nothing, yeah, nothing else to say. Yeah, that, it just, that's what it, it is. is what it is. But they're undefeated. They're 4-0. Um, moving up steadily in the polls. They're creeping up on the top 10. They're number 14. I think they stayed yeah. stagnant this last week. So yep. there's correct. some more losses there. I mean, I do not think Iowa is one of the 10 best teams in the country by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think so, but I don't really think there's 10 great teams in the country. Either. No, I t- but we've seen some of that in the last couple of weeks. Um, once we get into conference play, this stuff all irons it out. I think we saw like six Pac-12 teams right in the top 20 the first couple weeks too, and now we're starting to see them drop like flies. So um, once we get in the meat of conference play, teams start beating each other up. That's the way it goes. Um, looking forward, I guess. Uh, so I guess we go the week after that. So Middle Tennessee, Iowa State, tough one at Baylor. Um, I don't know if it was a tough one because the game was actually tough. It was tough because as Cyclone fans, the position they put us in, Tough is in the position they put themselves. There's a lot of things I can take away from this football game. Um, there's a lot of things that I think you can say are good, but there's a lot of things you can say, like, you scratch your head and say, What the hell? What the, you, you thought, I think after the ULM game, I think we all sat there and said, All right, they figured it out. They're going to finish in drives. Up until that point, you know, they said, 
you know, Iowa State was one of the teams, you know, we're averaging the most yards per offense of any Iowa State offense ever. Right. And, but at some point, they got to finish some drives. We've seen it the UNI game, the Iowa game, get across midfield, stall out. ULM, offense explosion, 72 points. All right, figured out. And we get to Baylor. And it's more of the same. I think they had at one point um, in the first half, they had the ball for 15 minutes versus Baylor's. At four at some point. Yeah. And now, the interesting part for me is, once again, special teams, no bueno. Um, Asali misses a long field goal, has another field goal blocked, which has been a long time since we've seen something like that at Iowa State. Um, and you make one of those and, you know, we're not talking about another close Iowa state loss. You know, I've talked to you, I've talked to a couple of friends where it's, you know, the last couple of years it's been, well, Iowa state's won a lot of these close games and it's been in the margins. It's been in the details. Well, the, we haven't done that so far. Um, we've seen bad special teams play now. I think cost us losses in two games already in the first four games. That being said, um, last year's Iowa state team that I think was one of the best ones we've seen in our short lives. Started the year one and three. That is correct. Um, so moving forward, yeah, two and two. Um, they are this close to being four and zero, oh, but I don't think that was anyone's expectation. If you're looking forward, it's still trying to play. And don't get me wrong, they still control their own destiny for a Big Twelve championship at this point because they have Texas and Oklahoma left on the schedule. You can't lose many two point games on the road and expect to come out there and, and achieve your goals and what I think everyone's goals were going into the season. There's been a couple people reach out to me, and, or I've seen you know different takes about how Iowa State's defense isn't playing as well as they expected it to. I'm going to disagree with that. Now, I think there are positions of weakness that are getting beat up a little bit. I think our cornerbacks at times have looked a little suspect, and I think that's to be expected. Missing Brian Peavy and DeAndre yeah, Payne. And they're young. They're young. They're young cornerbacks. They both are. Um, I think Anthony Johnson looks really good at times. Detroit I think young. he looks pretty bad at times too, and I'm not not to try to take shots, but there were a couple like just in the in the ULA ULM game even specifically. I watched him miss a couple tackles in space and like just really poor gap assignments. I was not super impressed. Well, he's still been better, Detroit Young. So let's call a spade a spade here. I like like you said though, they're they're young kids and they're definitely not. Well, upgrades. we've already seen DJ Miller and Kim Monty King play quite a bit, true freshman. Yeah. So I think the Iowa State defense is you know about what we thought it would be. But we didn't see the offense, once again, has not given them any favors. They put up tons of yards. You know, at one point, I think you said, I, I texted you, I said, hey, here's the deal. We may go into this half down 7 to nothing. But the stat for me that was most impressive is Iowa State at that point had 15 minutes of possession versus Baylor's 6. If you look at the if you look at the second half, by the end of that, it had equaled itself out. I think Baylor finished with like 30 minutes of possession. Iowa State finished with like 29 and a half. So what that tells me is that, you know, in their little runs where we couldn't get off the field, Iowa State going three and out, you know, not finishing drives, things like that, did not give our defense a lot of breath, you know, going into that. So I'm not penning this on the defense. Don't wrong. One more stop, and it's a different game. But at the same time, you can't expect to not finish drives and have three and outs and things like that, in which Iowa State only had two three and outs, and your defense to be fresh at the end of a game. Yeah, and, you know, there was, there was a couple little – weird things about that Baylor game too. And I unfortunately didn't get to watch a ton of it. I got to watch the first quarter and essentially the fourth quarter and I was at a wedding. And so it sounds like the, the bulk of the game uh, of, or at least the gross part of the game, I should say, I actually missed and I haven't had a chance to go back and watch, but 
I saw some of the highlights and it just wasn't super impressive, but I did get to watch the fun part of the game where we make this absolutely heroic comeback, just start blazing the trail. Right. And we have these moments where Brock Purdy plays like poop for 45 minutes of a game. And then for 15 minutes looks like what some, you know, I've heard some people say that he looked like an all American. Let's not get carried away here, but he, he stepped it up. Well, to me, the whole time, just building up, because I was told multiple times, can you just shut this off? Let's do something else, because we're on vacation. Hey, let's go do something else. And, like, I just knew, you know, it felt like the K-State game to me last year at times where, hey, we're down in a big hole, but you know what? Like, they we got a right. chance. I, like, I just felt like, you know what? They could come out. We usually play better in second halves. Momentum can shift, things like that. And I really thought at the end, it's like, we're going to win this game. And tell that kid who they beat up on not making a kick like all year, not had not made a field goal all season, comes out and Christine looked at me. She goes, you know he's going to make this right. And I said, yep, unfortunately. I'm aware. I'm aware. But, no, and then there were a couple little funny storylines inside of that. Uh, Baylor uh, allegedly telling Iowa State to take down some tents that were providing shade for the, the players. The Big 12 told them to take the tents down. Okay, that's – that's First of worse. all, yeah, it's it's not – I think people make – this is kind of a typical I, – I mean, I hate to say it because I love our fan base and I love our fans, but there's a lot of this percentage that likes Finding to play excuses. victim. Yes, they exactly. like to play the victim. Well, and even Matt Campbell at the presser Didn't said, care. did you Yeah, did you think that that played a role in it? Don't know, don't care. Yeah. And he's right. Like, we should not know, nor should we care, because we should have never been in a position to be down by 20 points in the first place. Right. So I just going forward – you know, the offense had the same problems. Put up a lot of yards, not put up a lot of points. Is this going to be a problem that lags us into the second half of the season? Or even this kind of middle part here, this middle third of the season? We've played four games. One game, score a lot of points. Uh, three games, struggle to put points on the board, but move the ball well inside the 20s. Or is this something that's going to go forward? You know, because at this point, you kind of are what your record says you are, aren't you? Or, but once again... I don't think a Matt Campbell team has lost a game in October since Barack Obama was in office. Yeah, close. Uh, yeah, they're ten and one over the past two Octobers. Which is, and I think that's seven and zero over the last two, if I'm uh, correct. Yeah, excuse me. I think it's the last three Octobers. Pardon. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, and and like you said, we started the year one and three last year. Right. And are two and two. So if you look at it, we're better off right now than we were last year. Right. And, and you know what's really been frustrating, and, and this hasn't come up yet, but, well, a little bit when you're talking about people saying put in Real at running back. But after that, I there I heard so many people just on Twitter and even people text me or, you know, whatever, that they're, they wanted Real put in the game in that situation. Like, guys, no. No. That, like, Real put on a display against ULM. ULM, ULM, whose first string defense was bad. And this is probably versus their second or third team defense. I'm pretty sure they could have put me at nose tackle and they might have had a better chance to get a stop in the backfield. Oh, my. Guys, you have to understand that Real Mitchell is the backup for a reason. He He has had two years of practice right alongside with Brock Purdy, and they know that Brock Purdy in several situations is ahead of Real Mitchell. Right, and and people say, you know, whether they want him in at quarterback, and people say, oh, we need to put him in, in a, you know, a special package. He needs to be in there running plays like Lanning did, this, that, or A, he's a different player than Lanning. 100%. But B, it's different than that. Whenever you have Brock Purdy off the field, even when he's not making the right reads like he did in the first half this, 
this week against Baylor or things like that, you are still taking the best player in your football team off of the field. Absolutely correct. And mm-hmm. you, that's not something you can do. He makes a couple mistakes. And, like, we're all, we've all made mistakes. Like, sometimes you, you got to – but sometimes as a young quarterback, I think you've got to go make those mistakes and feel things out to have things like the fourth it's quarter you did last pains. week. You have yeah. to be okay with growing pains. You have right. to. It was ugly to watch. I understand that. But I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we're not going to win the national championship. Shocker. The goal is to compete, keyword compete, for the Big 12. I think the goal, yeah, the goal is to play in Dallas. The goal is to play in Dallas. Play, guys, play. We all want to win. We all want to win. But you have to remember that growing pains is a part of all of this. Right. You have to watch a 19-year-old kid make some bad reads, make some mistakes. And asking for Real Mitchell to come in is like, you missing out on a sale or having a bad day at work and your boss looking at you and telling you that he's going to put the secretary in at your position because you suck. Well, and that's just it. I think for Campbell and Manning and the offensive staff and Joel Gordon and all them to show Purdy they have faith in him. You can't have a bad series of quarterback and, oh, shuffle, hey, we're going to put Real in here to do something different. You absolutely kill the kid's confidence right. on the spot. Right. On the spot. And he is your team leader. We talk, you know, we hear. Voted captain as yeah, a sophomore. as a sophomore, as, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid. So I don't think we can get out there and go ahead and, and, and make snap judgments. The, the worst calls I've seen are like, oh, hey, you know, we're having struggle finding um, who our starting running back is going to be and taking depth over that. We need to move Real to running back. You guys, you people are idiots. You are so dumb. I don't even know how to say this. The reason we still see Sheldon Crony, who let's call a spade a spade here, is go off, Dan. very hindered, very hindered as a ball carrier, right? Maybe one of our best pass catchers out of the backfield, but he is the most, I mean, I think the guy is averaging, you know, I think our whole team right now is averaging over five yards a carry, but Sheldon Crony is averaging like two and a half. You know, he's very hindered as, as a playmaker carrying the football out of the backfield. But at the same time, you know, the reason he gets so much playing time is because Campbell trusts him the most in pass protection. Okay. And then it goes down to Johnny Lang and then it goes to freshman after there. Actually, if we saw, if Kane was healthy, we'd see him the most. Yeah, I agree. But at this, so, People want you to displace one of these guys with a quarterback? We're going to have a six foot 190-pound quarterback trying to chip defensive ends? Like, pull your head out of your ass. I'm sorry. Ran, ran over. But, like, that's the dumbest shit I've heard, like, this last couple weeks. Yeah, I, I've not been a fan of it either. And, I mean, we've, I, and if any of you disagree with us out there, come at us on Twitter because we'll, we'll take you down. It'll be an Eddie Guerrero frog splash from the mother effing top rope, baby. Because <laughs> you're wrong. Um, so, I guess, building off of that, going from there. So, uh, you know what, guys? We're 2-2. Two and two. We're on to the next one. We got a big game coming up against TCU. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, uh, TC- oh, man, the Brew Crew. Oh, my. Man, I should have bet on him. Damn it. That Eric Timms is a horrific-looking dude. Like he- Scherzer is not having a good day at the ballpark. I don't know, but this is what October is about, baby. Like, let's start this Love drama. It. Like, Love it. you know that in the bottom of the seventh or bottom of the eighth, the Nats are going to make it a one-run game or take the lead or something fun like that. It always happens. Probably. All right, going back. TCU, looking forward. What do you think? You know, I think that I looked at some of the stats. Um, we uh, we are seventh nationally in passing offense, which is incredible to me but that's what usually with the game less than most all these other teams Uh uh-huh and uh, but then again the reason behind that is because that's where 90 percent of our offense is coming though too right so uh, and we had a huge day against ulm which played into that a little bit but uh tcu's past defense is ranked uh 
88th nationally, I believe. Um, so if we can pass the ball successfully, uh, I think we'll be okay. Their their running game, I think, is ranked pretty low, and our our uh, our run defense, I think, is ranked like 34th nationally. So we have we have an advantage, I think, when their defense is on the field and when their offense is on the field. Truthfully. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bet on the game. I don't. I'm not gonna say I know who wins, but it looks like there's a recipe there for Iowa State to come in and take advantage of a fairly one-dimensional football team in well, TCU. I don't think there's any doubt that TCU is a one-dimensional football team. Um, the quarterback play for them has been very inconsistent up to this point. Sorry, not to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I really messed that up. TCU is 14th in the country in pass t- defense. So it's it's strength against strength. Right. In the passing game, I apologize. That's now, my fault. if you watched a little bit of the SMU game, SMU did cut up TCU's corners pretty good. At TCU, times. or excuse me, SMU is they're good. That's right. a good football is team. Chad Morris, Chad Morris, head coach. There, Don't know sure. the answer to that question. Cole's did you know segment? Dan's did you know? I'm pretty sure Chad Morris, who would have been the no. Clemson offensive coordinator. It's not Sonny Dykes. Days. Where'd Sonny Dykes go? Boy, I can't even remember. I that think one. it's Sonny Dykes still. No, I'm pretty sure Chad Morris. All right. Anyway, Chad Morris would have been the Clemson offensive coordinator um, here a couple years ago. But there was times where SMU there um, was dicing up the TCU corners pretty well. Now, I will say this. TCU is a very good in terms of a couple different places. They are very good at running the football, whether it be Alex Delton um, coming in at subbing a quarterback. Uh, Robinson there is a really has they have a really strong run game offensively. Um, that being said, also defensively, statistic-wise, like you said, passing game looks really good, but they're only allowing 79 rush yards a game, which we know the Iowa State run game has been a little bit suspect here. Um, one thing I'd really like to see is a little bit more balanced play calling, especially in the fir- in the first half. I think if we would have saw a little bit more in that Baylor game, we, we see Iowa State's run setting up their pass quite a bit, or times where, hey, you can hit guys in the flats. Or you're wide- and I'm never one to call for more wide receiver screens, but actually I think that was something they could use their advantage get- at Baylor a little bit. Get it on the edges. My concern with this is Gary Patterson is a very good defensive head coach and always has been. TCU has always had a ton of athletes on defense, um, a ton of team speed. Looks back and he, it's easy for him to see how frustrated Baylor made Brock Purdy in that first half. And what can he take away from that tape and, and attack Iowa State with this weekend? We're supposed to have another rainy weekend. Shock. Hey, Iowa State football game. It's going to be bad weather. <laughs> that is, it's parody. Yeah, it just it has to happen. Anyway, so I really could see this again if Iowa State could focus their rush defense, which is the best part of our defense up to this point. Um, I think we believe it. Now, no Jaquan Bailey, it sounds like, this weekend. But you know what? Zach Peterson's been playing really well anyway. Yeah, I've been impressed with Zach Peterson. Um, I, I think we could see another defensive slugfest. You know that. That being said, it'll probably be like thirty-five to thirty-two. Um, I think <laughs> Iowa State's what a three-point favorite at this point. Uh, yes, that's correct. I think three-point favorite on a home field. So basically, they're saying if this game is a neutral field, it's a pick. I think that's accurate. Um, so for me, I, I do expect us to play better. It's October. I'm not buying into this whole oh, just because it's October they're going to win. But I do believe Campbell teams improve quite a bit. Um, TCU's deficiencies, I think we can exploit a little bit. Looking back at things, um, I expect to see a little bit more balance offensively. I expect our defense to play better. I I think Iowa State's going to win this weekend. How much? Uh, just random question. You were talking about running backs. How much? Uh, how much of the field do the freshman running backs see today? I think I've been I've been pretty impressed with Jarrell Brock. Well, I think everybody was impressed with him in a 
impressed with him in the ULM game. That was the first game he ever got any carries. Weird thing was, and I don't know if you saw this or not, he came in for one play of the A Baylor pass game block play. And, and came in to block. And maybe they wanted reps for him there, and then all of a sudden, because it was a third and ten, they had to get – I think that what they had probably intended was him to have a drive under his belt because, you know, everyone's like, whoa, why did you put him in for one play? Well, I think the intention was him to, you know, have a drive under his belt there. But they got to a third and ten situation where, oh, hey, you know, we need to change things up. We're going to put Crony or whoever it was back in. Um, Brock is, I think, a guy who in this – with this offensive line, with the way thing go, way things are going, um, he's a more aggressive runner. He's more of a one-cut and downhill versus guys like Johnny Lang and what little we've seen of Brees Hall, who are guys who kind of wait for things to open up a little bit and then go forward or, you know, things like that. So – and I think that's why we see Kane Nuangu when he's healthy have success – is because he's very much one cut, downhill, use your speed. And that's what we've seen a little bit out of Brock so far, too. Um, so for me, I'd like to see more of him. I think if Nwangu is healthy, they're still going to limit his reps because he's such a dynamic athlete. Um, so I, I'd like to see more of them. You hope we get more of it this week. I do think it's going to be a, a slower-paced game than what we saw in the last couple. Um, so hopefully we get more reps out of them. I'm sick. I, I'm ready for the Sheldon Crony experiment to be done, but that's just me. Yeah, fair enough. I've again speaking of like you said, uh, running backs we've been impressed with. Johnny Lang, I think, has played really well. I'd, right. I've really liked watching him. I think he's really come quite a long ways. And I uh, redshirt sophomore. Correct. Right. Yeah. So that's we get him this year and then next year and right senior year. That's that's fun. He was a pretty heralded guy. Heralded guy. Yeah. Out of it came high out school. Ohio, right? Is Florida. Florida. Excuse so me. So Johnny Lang had a Florida State offer out of high school. Got in a little bit of trouble. Um, yeah. That's, got in a little yes, bit of Johnny, trouble. Yeah. And it was one of those deals where Campbell kind of waited around, took a risk on him, and he came back and he's been a model citizen since getting getting a name, knocking wood. Um, and so really high talent, but it's just been getting him in and allowing him to make plays. I think he's probably our guy who has the most, the highest ceiling in terms of those older running backs, um, in terms of catching the ball down the field and just explosiveness. But that's me. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, nonetheless, it's, uh, on to week, uh, six here. Holy shit. Week six already. Right. We're going to have to have our, our mid season power rankings next yeah week, i think so i think you're right i think you're right mid-season power rankings after and by the way we're going to record on sunday you're coming over so you're sunday saying i can't be too hungover is what you're saying no why don't you come over at like three o'clock and we'll just start drinking before we do the show that'll be fun won't it i, I can handle that see so. but finally we've got a free weekend here but let's get on to week six we uh, need, do we need to pump up iowa a little bit too here we, oh iowa, iowa michigan big, big, big oh, no that's where i was going you read yeah. my mind here yeah. brother uh, I'm really excited for this game, and I truthfully like I'm obviously diehard Iowa State and um, all clones, never Hawks. But it's been it's actually been pretty entertaining to watch Iowa through the couple games that I have. I've caught them on TV um, a few times here, and um, I've I've been super impressed with Nate Stanley. Their defenses looked really sharp. Uh, the receiving core looks like it's about the best it's ever been in quite right. some time. Imagine if they had like a Sean Green type running back on this team. And it's and it's nothing against Makai Sargent. Great player. Right. Great running back. But imagine if they had that triple threat that running dynamic. back. Yeah. I this could be a Big Ten title contender. And and it's very well, apparent no right now. No one's saying that they're gonna in the West that it may not happen. Oh no 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 all of a sudden like they've got it they don't wrong their schedule looks tougher now than it did because Wisconsin's better than we thought they were going to be Penn State's better than what they thought we were going to be. Right. But this Michigan game coming up, this is one that I would, I think 
Now, here's the deal. With Michigan already dropping one big game earlier in the season, you know they're going to be ready to go. But this is one that I don't think anyone should be shocked if Iowa goes in and sneaks one sneaks one out of the big house. Yeah, and I mean, Vegas sees it too because they're only plus three. Yeah. That, so Vegas is telling you if this game's on a neutral field, it's a pick em. Right. Once again. And, um, you know, I, I think that Iowa's got the chops to absolutely win the Big Ten West. Uh, Nebraska's out. Nebraska's done. I'm canceling Put Nebraska. I'm, I'm canceling yeah. Nebraska. Cancel They're canceled. Cancel nice. culture. Uh, Wisconsin um, takes a little bit of a step back. Um, while they wore their Jim Harbaugh khakis, RIP, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to tell Jim Harbaugh his career is over it's by wearing the commemorative khakis against uh, the Purple People Eaters in Northwestern. And Northwestern puts up a fight in Madison. Right. Um, but I, I don't think that should be surprising either because no. th- that's what Pat Fitzgerald teams better. They get better throughout the year. They play teams close. He's, they don't get blown out. He's modeled often. that team after Iowa and Wisconsin. I would agree with you. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. And I think Campbell is trying to model some of his stuff over there, uh, over what Pat Fitzgerald's doing. Now, I say this. Don't get me wrong. Not an Iowa fan. But when Iowa is clicking and playing well, they are a very fun team to watch play football. And they're hard to beat. They play. Oh, they're very hard to beat because they play all three phases great. They may not be explosive. They may be not be dynamic. Although this team, like you said, I think this is the best receiving core they've had since maybe if you go back to like C.J. Johnson and Dallas Clark and some of those guys. But definitely since, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, who did who they was have? Ricky War- Stanzi throwing to? They had Warren Holloway and Ed Hinkle. Oh, D- and Drew Tate. Ed Hinkle and a bunch of yeah, those yeah, guys. Yeah, that there team. Was, there were some studs on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Or maybe McNutt Marvin and DJK. Mc- yeah, yeah. But, so, I mean, I, I do think this is, I mean, Smith Marset and, and these guys. And shoot, I, I the transfer from Michigan, I mean, he's an afterthought at this point. Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, even that, what's that one kid? Uh, his last name's Tracy. He's like number three. Um. Oh, my gosh. He, anyway, he's one of their. He's kind of one of their role player receivers, and he's played great too. Right. So. So I. They're fun. They're hard to beat. You know, fun to watch because they play within themselves. They don't beat themselves. It's kind of like a really good Bill Snyder coach K State team. Yeah, absolutely. So pumping Iowa up. Um, I think that that absolutely. I'm not going to be shocked if if they win that game. Um, and truthfully, yeah, all you all you folks out there listening to the show know that I have uh, really taken a liking to this gambling. Um, and you know, it's, it's a lot like, you know, it's a lot like addiction and they, you know, they say that you, you know, alcoholism is a diagnosis and you know, you can be a drug addict. Well, you can turn anything into heroin and sports has become my heroin. <laughs> so a lot worse things you could spend money on. Yeah, that's true. And I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty relaxed gambler. My wife will even, uh, you know, vouch for me here. I'm only betting, you know, 10 bucks at a time, $10 parlays, like just trying to capitalize. Basically I'm doing these big, long leg parlays where they're, you know, plus 6,200 odds and where you bet $10, you, you might make 6,000, you know, stupid stuff like that. Like you don't need to be making these, these bets, but it's like buying a lottery ticket to me. So if you accidentally go uh six and O on your picks one week, then, Hey man, let's put a little, put a little cash in your pocket and, and going back to it here, I have, your head. I have, don't get crazy. no kidding. I have Iowa as one of my very intriguing games for this year, or excuse me, this week with being plus three on the road in the big house. I absolutely expect him to cover, if not win, truthfully. So um, that's my little pump up for Iowa. And, and you know, we'll kind of keep moving on. And we'll, I'm, I'm excited to watch that game. I hope I get to catch a majority of it. But um, uh, what time does that game start? Do you know? I'll look here off the top of my head. I can't yeah, remember. well, and, and you know, we'll, we'll be tailgating. We'll go out and start having a good time at about... 11 o'clock, of oh, course. Correct, so. correct. No sooner. Uh, 
we'll be we'll be over in Ames tailgating, yucking it up, having a good time. So if any of you see us out there who uh, don't regularly tailgate with us, say hello. Hopefully we'll get some koozies made here with Dan's oh. Dan's drunk face on them. That would be pretty funny. I know a guy who can do that. You do? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We should hook him up. What time's the game? Uh, well, Iowa State and Iowa are both 11 o'clock oh, games. Oh, damn it. That sucks. Yeah. Well, I'll have to record the Iowa game and watch it when I get home, which is absolutely what I'll do. You know, I, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Sidebar. I kind of dig the 11 o'clocks. Well, and I... Here, and I'm going to tell you why. You get to wake up at 6 a.m., you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you make your coffee, you have your breakfast, you take your coffee poop, you go over to Ames, you have some breakfast, you have some beers, and by the time it's 9.30, you, you've looked up and all of a sudden you're two Bloody Marys deep on top of a six-pack of beer and you're having a little little fun time over there in Ames. And then you get to watch the football game and hopefully it ends in a W and even if it doesn't, you're still probably a little happy on the inside. You get to go home, you have some lunch, maybe a nap. You get to you get and the you rest of the you get football. the rest of the evening to yourself to watch football. I will find myself watching like Hawaii and Fresno State on a Saturday for no reason, for no reason. I enjoy eleven o'clock kicks for what you said. Like I'm waking up early no matter what. I got chores to do, things like that. May as well drink I, while I, you do it. I get a little pushed on like getting there in time because you know me. I I have to have my certain hours of tailgating, otherwise my whole schedule's thrown off. Well, right, but you have to mentally prepare yourself for the four nervous shits that you take before you get to the lots. Oh yeah, or and while I'm at the lots, right? Okay. So. <laughs> Just <laughs> the keeper of the porta potty. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I I do have this little strategy though, and this is how you get to the front of porta pot lines every time. If everyone didn't know, so a lot of times you run and it has a little green and red deal like oh green is open and red is closed well if you look a lot of times it will say red like porta pot occupied but if you look at the tab that actually locks the porta pot it's sticking outside the door so dan will be the person that opens the door while the you're in there taking a shit so because someone didn't lock it someone didn't close it the right way after then it was left open so nobody take that but that's how i always sneak the front of the porta pot dan is going to go to jail uh and be charged with a sex offense crime for opening the porta potty on women and children, I'm probably gonna get punched in the face one of these days. It that would that, honestly, yet, you so. getting punched in the face sounds ideal. It sounds like my ideal Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, that's you're right. You're right. Okay, moving on. Moving on. We've got fun games this week. Moving on. Um, we're gonna start with our hot blooded teams from weeks four and five. Um. Week four, um, I had some notes before we got the opportunity to not record. Uh, week four, my Big 12 hot-blooded team was Iowa State, and they were very hot after that. ULM's very inferior opponent, but they did what you're supposed to do to an inferior opponent. They took a page out of Ohio State's book and absolutely amputated every part of a team that they should have amputated, and that was great to see. So that's where I landed on that. Um, we've talked enough about it. I'll keep going. Uh, my hot uh, big 10 team from week four was Wisconsin. Um, they smoked Michigan. I, I locked that one up for you guys. They were only favored three and a half at home. That was impressive to watch the way that they had just absolutely torched Michigan. I believe it was 28 to zero at halftime at halftime. And so they only scored one more touchdown, probably put the JV squad in, um, 359 rushing yards against Michigan. Now, obviously, oh, there's a home run for Rendon. Get out of town, baby. Oh, uh, warning track. WTP, warning track power, baby. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, out of those 359 rushing yards, he has 203 of them. 
Shea Patterson goes 14 of 32 in that football game passing. We all know how much you love Shea Patterson. Dude, he's... Come on. Like, let's go. I remember when it was the biggest hype ever because he got his waiver from Ole Miss to play immediately. Bad. He was like, Michigan, National Championship. Bad. It not worked out that Bad. way. Um, okay, so those are those are my Big 12 and Big 10 Week 4 hot bloodeds. Uh, my Week 5 um, hot and cold. Or excuse me, hot hot Big 12 and hot Big 10. Hot is OK State from Week 5. Uh, they performed the way that they should have. Um, I think beat a good Kansas State team. Great, uh, yeah. Kansas State is overachieving at this. Very improved team. and only had allowed three points going into the fourth quarter. That game was twenty-six to three at the start of the fourth quarter. So not not a fully dismantling, but just obviously dominated on both sides of the ball. I think they've got a great true freshman quarterback in um, uh, Den- Spencer, Spencer San- Sanders. Spencer Sanders. Denton Sanders. Denton Sanders. Sanders. Shout out Denton Sanders. Spencer Sanders, true freshman quarterback in Chubba Hub. He's got to have the most fun name to say in all of college football. Chubba Hubba. Chubba Hubba. He is the nation's leading rusher I saw today. He has 124 attempts uh, for 988 yards, I want to say, and I hate that I know all this off the top of my head, and 10 touchdowns, and he is not in the Heisman conversation, and Jonathan Taylor is. Jonathan Taylor only has 88 rush yards, or 88 rush yards attempt. Oh, my God. 88 attempts. Only 600 yards from scrimmage and eight touchdowns, but he's like number five on Heisman voting, and it's all about who you play for at well, this point. 100. And if Hubbard continues this in weeks 10 and 11, I mean it'll be different. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin's high profile played some good teams. Right. And so uh, then moving on, my hot Big Ten team from week uh, five was Iowa uh, once again fully dismantling MTSU. So there you go. There's my hot blooded teams. The Blue Raiders. Dan, who you got for who, who you got for hot teams? I'm, I'm just going to give you a, a roundabout effort after weeks five. Fair enough. That's okay. Um, my Big Ten team is Penn State because they absolutely put a whooping on this weekend, the Friday night game. Um, locked if, up, locked up Maryland at plus six. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they came out. I, that was a team I thought was going to take a step back this year. Um, losing Trace McSorley and some other guys, Cole did not. He was right. I was wrong. We should get used to saying that on this podcast. Good. Big Big Ten East is coming down to Ohio State, Penn State. Well, right I now. think at this point, right it now, easily is. Um, they looked really good. Um, I, I, I did not see them playing this well at this point in the season. Um, my Big Twelve team coming in um, to last week is Iowa State. Did look really good against ULM, um, but there's a couple other teams that are hanging in there and play really well. I, I don't think we can deny that Baylor, even though their first three opponents on the year are combined for zero wins at this point. What they've done in Matt Rule's, what, now third year. He wins one game his first year. I think they win seven last year. Um, I think they're going to be an eight or nine win team when it's all said and done. I think Baylor looks really good. Oki State looks good. Um, so I, I don't think there's anything to, you know, sneeze at there. Oklahoma continues to roll. Hertz, if you look at Hertz's numbers through his first six games this year, comparatively to, they say, Kyler and Bakers, um, he's standing out in, fr- in, fr- in front of both of those. Um, so for me, I'm still going to go, I'm going to go Baylor, big 12, Penn state, big 10, go from there. Yeah, you got it. And, um, we'll, uh, we'll move into our next, uh, foreigner segment, uh, cold as ice. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Um, I'll, uh, I like that foreigner segment. I think that's what we should just call it. It's just a foreigner. 
foreigner. Yeah. Uh, my my cold team. Um, it was it was kind of tough. Um, I'll start with uh, my Big Ten, I suppose. Um, I think Wisconsin takes a little bit of a step back, even though they win. Even in a win, I'm gonna I'm gonna crown them as my cold blooded team, just because we've been riding that hype train. And uh, granted, I think they're good. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald obviously preps preps. He's a wizard. Yeah, he preps those kids to to take on big games like that. Um, and and I I really expected. Wisconsin to beat them by three touchdowns just with what we had seen from Northwestern early in the year losing on the road by 10 to Stanford uh, Stanford a team who lost by 17 or 18 to Oregon now Oregon albeit is a fantastic team too but with what we've seen Northwestern produce this year there's no way that Jonathan Taylor and that crew is not just absolutely going to eviscerate Northwestern well Northwestern held it down so give credit to them but um, I'll, I'll take Wisconsin as my, as my cold blooded team. Um, and just the same from my hot blooded team of the big 12 from week four, my week five cold blooded team is the Iowa state cyclones. Yes. Just, uh, just a rough outing made a, made a game of it, but they're cold and, uh, they've done this to me. I think every, every time I've picked them as the hot team, they've gone cold. And every time I picked them as the cold team, which was episode three uh, or two, excuse me. Um, I, they they came out. Maybe you just need to pick us to be they, cold every week. Yep, they're cold. They're cold. I'm not gonna pay. I was gonna bet on. I was gonna take the points in TCU this week. So that's my that's my cold teams. Um, weeks four and five. Um, I've I've got a whole handful of them from the Big Ten. Cold teams. Oh yeah. Okay. Nebraska by canceled over done. I'm Put not, a fork in them. They get college game. I mean, you're yeah. The team I mean, that, there's their their season. There's game day comes up. No, yeah, they've got a lot of wins left on the schedule. Right. But this whole winning the Big Ten West, ten win team, Frost, you know, this that everything and above. No, they Nebraska get absolutely demolished. Nebraska Nebraska fans home. need to start having more of the mentality of a team like K State. Right. You're gonna win seven eight games a year. You're going to have great seasons more often than not. You might get a 10-win season here or Nebraska there. at this point is lucky if they could be Iowa. Nebraska not, at this point would be lucky if they could be Iowa State. Nebraska. If there are Nebraska fans listening to this, you will not win a national championship. You will not. I'm sorry. You're not going to do it. Uh, you, you need to start coming back down to reality. Now, you're in year two of Scott Frost. You got dismantled by an ultra-talented firing on all cylinders Corvette type team that's got Justin Fields at the helm and you know what I've sidebar you know what I've been kind of thinking about today what if we see uh Justin Fields go head-to-head in the first round of the playoff with Georgia Georgia, and Jalen Hurts gets to go first round head-to-head with Alabama oh my goodness dream playoff Cole's you should see how big Cole's eyes are from this side of the room dude because Wow, that would be majestic. Change, talk about talk about a redemption opportunity for both well, of those kids. Well, and here's the point with those four teams right now. I, I'm going to throw this out. Clemson is not one of the four best teams in America this week. I just want to make a quick shout out to Mac Brown and having giant cojones and having the balls. Absolutely humongous testicles. Like that was fun. He's he is the South. He's Kyle's dad in South Park carrying those mother effers around in a wheelbarrow right now. <laughs> First of all, that was fun, and it's fun to see him Ballsy. go out there. I mean, I thought when the 
North Carolina hired him as like, you know, hey, we really can't think of anybody else better to hire. It's a fun hire. It's a nostalgic it's hire. It's nostalgic, but it ain't going to work out. But you know what? They are playing. He, they are they are fun to watch. Do you think that he's right just now. like, are, are they just taking people by surprise right now? Like, or does he just have, did he just hire a good young staff to well, come Well, that was with? part of it. He did hire a really good staff. Um, but there's some other, okay, back to my cold teams. Apologies. Nebraska. Mm. That wasn't a trombone. That, I, I did that myself, believe that or not. Wow, I can't believe that. That sounded uh, so real. Purdue. <laughs> no boy, no. Uh, Rondale Moore gets hurt. Not looking good, boys and girls. Bad, bad deal. Not looking good. Um, you know, and from there, there, there's just it's just not not a good situation. And my last one, actually, I've got two of them um, from the other half of the conference. Maryland, for all the hype we threw on them early, um, just getting deep pantsed um, against Penn State. Not looking good. And then, uh, rest in peace, Chris Ash. It was a good run. Yeah, a tumble native, Chris Ash. Really, really wasn't a good run. Uh, you tried hard, but I think I think what Rutgers really needs to do is like crowdsource their next head coach. Greg Schiano's going to take that job. Oh yeah, he's unemployed right now. He uh, he they they say quote unquote that Schiano turned down his extension from the Patriots because he heard through the grapevine that that Rutgers job was going to come open. Well, he's the only guy that's ever won there. Yeah. What he he took him to like a Sugar Bowl or something too or something stupid. Yeah, I can't remember if it was a Sugar Bowl, but they played in a pretty. I mean, they beat an Iowa State team in the in the whatever the Pinstripe Bowl that one year. So moving on from there, from the Big Ten, um, the Big Twelve. There's some different teams. Cole mentioned Iowa State, and that was one that I had kind of thought about. Um, but there's another one in there that for me I had kind of higher expectations going into the season. I thought with a new head coach and a new scheme could probably be better. Um, but they've fallen on some hard times with injuries and just offense has taken a step back um, as Texas Tech. Um, Alan Bowman's banged up. I think he's going to be out another five, six weeks. They've struggled here the last couple weeks. And even with Bowman at the helm, um, they were not putting up the kind of gaudy. I mean, is is it just a Cliff Kingsbury, like, voodoo effect? Like, when you get a quarterback in there and he can just, you know, throw magic dust on them and make them, make them a player and you lose Kingsbury and this is what happens. I don't know. It's, I mean, there's really no other reasonable explanation for it. I mean, it, it has to just be the, the fairy and, dust And I is get gone. that the Cardinals haven't won a game yet, but Kyler Murray hasn't been bad. I mean, his numbers, his numbers are better. Offensive line point. is horrible. It's the worst offensive line in football, but his numbers aren't bad. If you look at him, his numbers are better than quite a few quarterbacks in the league. They're better Baker Mayfield's right now. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, it's it's weird. I, I feel I feel bad for Kyler Murray. I mean, he's gonna have to spend his rookie year behind a dumpster fire. We, we've it's, seen this a lot. We've seen this a lot I, with these teams. You remember when the Texans were um, an expansion team and they take David Carr as number one pick ooh, and get sacked yeah. like 150 times his first you know year and then isn't keep, Kyler Murray on pace to break that record? Yeah, they said, and we've seen I think a lot of good quarterbacks come in. I think Josh Rosen's another one. Um, that just you know come in and get beat up so bad and confidence gets just shook, and we never see them I think hit anything close to their potential because of the way their career started out. Yeah, and so I've, rest in peace, Kyler Purry. Kyler Murray. Who the hell is Kyler Purry? It's he's he's, he's, he's Brock Purry's brother. I'll uh, I'll go conspiracy theory on um, Josh Rosen and some of that Arizona stuff and just kind of build off of something you said with with the uh, lack of confidence and stuff. I mean, they had a chance to put someone in front of. 
Josh Rosen, like build an offensive line in front of him, and then they hire Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury takes the reins, and obviously you're wants confused to. Right now, you're, you, you just mix it. Oh, you're talking about Rosen when he's still at Cardinal. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So before right, he right, gets right. traded, and so Josh Rosen, bless his heart, he's UCL UCLA quarterback has all looks like he's got all the tools. He's big, tall, physical kid. Uh, probably not as mobile as you'd like to see, but that's kind of what these prototypical quarterbacks get get drafted for. Well, he he gets drafted, and then. Uh, you know, Arizona doesn't decide to put an offensive line in front of him. And this kid goes to UCLA and I'm pretty sure his parents are both doctors, like not saying that he's been handed everything in his life, but he might've been handed a lot of stuff. Um, I'm sure he had to work to get as good as he is, but you know, had a lot of resources at his disposal, I'm sure to get there. I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is not the same way, but you grow up being five, eight and a half. You got to work a little, just a tip. Uh, tick harder than the rest of us I'm sure but and you know now you shake Josh Rosen's confidence and he goes to play for my Miami Dolphins and I'm sure that that poor kid's got nothing in the tank right now upstairs no. and he goes from one bad offensive line to the next to one that's maybe worse they trade what they trade away their best offensive lineman I just I don't understand why you would do that to a quarterback like especially Josh Rosen like maybe sit him down in private and say hey by the way um, this is gonna suck but no no, hey. no no we're uh we're actually just gonna go ahead and uh we're gonna play Fitzpatrick this year you're gonna sit we just want you to learn just chill out. uh and the reason behind this truthfully is we actually care more about you than him so we'll let him get every concussion oh but here's the deal it doesn't matter when they go 0 16 and draft Tua with the first pick anyway. well yeah so now what are they so gonna what, do he's gonna get traded again no i no i already know how this is gonna go is hear me out hear me out new england patriots third backup quarterback josh rosen because that is what happens. Oh my gosh, Bill Belichick is a like that is what happens. He's gonna pick him up off the the spare part, you know, the used spare parts heap, you know, and then he'll, Brady will miss a few games. He'll come in, go four and as a starter, and then somebody else will sign, and then Belichick will trade him for a first rounder because that's what he does. All right, sorry, we got off topic here. Let's. Uh, I have one point to make around this NFL quarterback. Hang together. on, hang on, say that, right. say that though. We gotta get okay. it. We gotta keep going. Um, so some games to watch for this upcoming week in uh, week six. Um, basically my locks of the week, I've got five of them here. Um, and actually I'm going to give you three and I've got about five intriguing matchups that I think if I had to gamble on them, I would probably lay some money just for fun. Um, UCF is only a four and a half favorite, four and a half point favorite at Cincinnati. They are second in the nation in offense in Cincinnati outside of Ohio state has only allowed about eight touchdowns. So, they're only averaging four points or 14 points a game in the three games outside of Ohio State. They have not played anybody with a pulse at all. They beat a Miami of Ohio team by two touchdowns. That same Miami of Ohio team turned around and got beat by 76 points against Ohio State. The over on that game is 60. I'd take the over, but it's only because UCF is going to score 61 points against Cincinnati. Lock that bad boy up. Four and a half points. That's easy money right there. Take that one. Side note, did you see Cincinnati's cool field they're playing with? That looks dumb. Um, <laughs> personally, I think the black turf, that looks goofy. Like the Boise State blue. I who, think it looks – reminds the red, me of – Who has the red turf? Someone's got a red – I think it's Eastern Washington. Yes. It reminds barf. me of – did you ever play NFL Blitz as a kid? If you didn't play NFL Blitz, you can just turn off your podcast right now because we don't want you listening. Well, I didn't have video games as a kid. Cool. I played <laughs> just, it at my friend's house just after kidding. school. I'm just kidding. Um, so, but they always had like you could play on grass or you could play on 
blacktop, and that's what it looks like to me. Like they're going to play. Although, like the little eyes in the middle of the field is weird. That's so. actually hilarious. That's a funny comparison. It reminds me of like NFL Street on PS2. Did you ever play that game? Once again, Cole didn't have video games, Whatever, but man. I played it at my friend's house. Anyways, uh, next one, Maryland. Minus 13 and a half at Rutgers. Well, you can basically take it to the bank that Maryland, or excuse me, that Rutgers is going to score like maybe an average of three to seven points in their next eight games. Uh, that program, poor program, is going to be in shambles, and I hate to try to make money off of a bad thing right now. <laughs> but Maryland just got absolutely pole vaulted by Penn State on a Friday night, national scale, embarrassed. If you don't think that they're going to come out swinging for the fences, here we go. It's a game, oh, boys. Here we wild. go. It's a game, this boys. Three to one. Three to one. Brewers over Nats. If you don't think that this Maryland team is going to come out throwing haymakers, you are dead wrong. You are dead wrong. And Rutgers is just going to make them look even better than, they're, than they should. So they're going to win that game by three touchdowns. That's easy money at 13 and a half. Next, Utah State at LSU. LSU minus 28. LSU has been a cash cow for your boy. They have covered every spread so far this year, and they've been favored by double digits and everything. Roll with it. Utah State in week six. This team's clicking on all cylinders. The fighting Joe Burrows. Heisman candidate at quarterback. Lock it up. Lock it up. Minus 28. 28. That's big. That's big. Okay. Minus 28. They've already covered, uh, I think they covered 30 at one point. Utah State's not bad. Throw that out there. I believe you. They're going into Death Valley or whatever the hell they call that. LSU Stadium, or is Death Valley? No, Death Valley's no, Clemson. It's, it's 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 LSU and Clemson. Okay, copycats. Um, some of my intri- both the Tigers too. Fun fact. So, wow, Dan, incredible. <laughs> uh, some intriguing ones. OU minus thirty three at Kansas. Um, that game to me feels like uh, another game that some team will win by fifty. Um, Iowa. We alluded to this earlier. Plus three and a half at Michigan. You're getting points for a team. That is probably more talented on both sides of the ball. I think you got to take that one if you're if you're gambling. Now, obviously, it is at home for Michigan. That plays a big factor. Um, they'll probably get a couple calls they shouldn't just because of it. Right. So I, I'm 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 hesitant with that one, but I have confidence in it. Um, as opposed to the first three I threw at you, those things are just those things are easy. Um, some other intriguing ones: Michigan State plus twenty at Ohio State. I'm going to be bold. This is bold prediction for Week Six. Michigan State becomes the first team to cover the spread against Ohio State. They're the other cash cow I've had so far this year. Michigan State can score some points. They allowed 31 to Indiana, so it's pretty apparent that their defense cannot play. Their offense finally has had a couple good games in a row. They've scored over 70 points over the past two games. I think that they'll hold serve. I'm not going to say keep pace. I think that they'll hold serve a little bit. I think that that game could come down to a couple little weird factors, although it is in the horseshoe. These are the games that Michigan State sneaks up on people, right. like like Dan and I talked about before we started recording. I think that this could be a game where Michigan State 17, Ohio State 30. So it could still be a two-score game, but at plus 20, I mean, I'm, I'm taking the points on that one. Uh, next one, Cal plus 18 at Oregon. Cal just came off a bad loss at Arizona State. Uh, easily should have won that game. Although I do have Oregon as a potential playoff contender, I think that Cal's going to come out fired up, and you're getting 18 points on the road in Autzen. I think Cal's defense is better than people give it credit for. Credit for, excuse me. Uh, I think they'll, I think they'll contend in that one. And then Washington at Stanford. Stanford, another team that likes to sneak up on people. Uh, Washington 
Um, coming off another big win, I think they just beat um, – was it BYU by – they beat BYU 45 to 17 or something like that. I can tell you. Uh, Washington going to Stanford. Stanford might sneak up on you. I don't think Stanford wins the game, but I think they cover the 18 and a half. Um, so those are some other intriguing games I got. Um, I think that Ohio State Michigan State game is a primetime game. I think that's the 6:30 game on ABC. I will absolutely be locked into that one, even if it's a blowout, because Ohio State is just that much fun to watch. Right. Well, and I think we've seen this from D'Antonio teams. Um, in the past is they're typically, you know, when they're not elite, when they're not really good, they're typically the thorn in somebody's side like that and where they may not even go and win, um, but they're pretty good at playing keep away um, and slowing things down. Um, and I, I expect them to have a good game plan and, and cover whatever that, whatever was it, 20? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cover the 20. Mm-hmm. So those are those are kind of our intriguing matchups. Um, for the for the week, um, we've we've got quite a quite a bit of stuff left to cover here, so we'll kind of keep it moving. Uh, let's dive into a topic that not everybody has talked about probably on the radio very much. Um, at least I haven't heard much today. College athletics pay to play due date twenty twenty three. California passes legislation that allows college athletes to make money off of their likeness and sign endorsement deals. Uh, Dan. I'm going to let you start because you brought this topic up and I have some very strong feelings about it. Oh, God. Here we go. All right. Here's my deal. Um, I'm libertarian. You should be able to make... No, Paul Rand. Rand Paul, Cole, so you don't even know. Shut up. I I think you should be able to... Don't shut down enterprise. Let kids make whatever they want. But I do think amateurism is still a thing, even though most of these kids are getting paid anyway. They're all getting a stipend. That's what people forget is... These kids are getting free college, and they're getting an X amount of stipend, pay for food, pay for all this other stuff every month anyway. This whole deal isn't going to change who gets the best recruits because, you know, you're not going to be able to straight up just – it's not going to be a bidding word like, oh, hey, Kansas basketball, uh, speaking of teams that just got busted by the FBI. But anyway, uh-huh. um, you know, it's not be like, oh, they're just going to, you know, pay the highest bidder to get whatever recruit they want because – you know, the best teams are still going to get one. This is going to allow teams, you know, students to make money off their likeness, which, A, means we might get NCAA football, the EA Sports game back. Praise the Lord. Which would be pretty cool. Um, but it's more like, oh, hey, you know, George Yang has an ad for Wilson Toyota or George White Chevy or something like that. Or, you know, maybe it's Pioneer. Maybe it's Sukup. You know, maybe things like that. But how does that go in? You know, I just don't like the point of, it won't even just be, you know, that the football players or bas- men's basketball players are to get more, you know, a, more opportunities in this than, say, you know, the softball, women's softball or track and field or wrestling or something like that. But even amongst the football team, right now you could slap Brock Purdy's face on all kinds of stuff. He could sell something. But is Julian Good-Jones or is Zach Peterson going to be selling something? Or Bobby McMillan? I, You know, you're not allowing equal opportunity. And don't be wrong. You should – I'm not an equal opportunity person. You know, let the best succeed. Let them do all this. Um, my whole thing is how does this – how does the NCAA react? We heard from Mark Emmert. We heard from a bunch of these people that they did not want California to basically – you know, they did not want the California governor to sign this in law um, because it, it really puts the NCAA in a bad place. Is what are, what's the NCAA going to do? Are they going to allow all? Are they going to kick out all California schools? What's that do? I mean, the Pac-12 is basically a Group of Five conference anyway. But um, what 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 position does this put the the NCAA in? 
it, it seems like they're setting the NCAA up for this big, massive movement to set up even bigger well, restrictions. That's why, they it can put go one, that's why they put the date on it. They did one of two ways. Like they're going to put up these massive restrictions on things or they're going to loosen everything up. And here's my thing. And just, this is just hear me out for a second. There's, there's a, there's a weird train of thought that I had going through my mind before you got over here tonight. It seems like California thinks that they're going to be able to be above the law of the NCAA rule. And the NCAA is a private organization that is in charge of the college athletics. And, and that's how it's been. And I'm not saying that they're not corrupt and that they don't do things differently than how they should be doing them or, or what have you. But like, to me, California signing this law saying that their college kids can make money and other college kids can't says to me, it's the equivalent of me lighting like anybody rolling up a joint and smoking it in the middle of the street in, in, in Iowa and having a cop come up to you and say, what the hell are you doing? You say, well, it's legal in California. I can do it here. Right. No, just because that's, that's where the law is somewhere else. Doesn't mean that that's where it applies. It doesn't apply broad. How's this affect, you know, and we just, we just think about this at the highest, you know, power five level, you know, whoever USC's quarterback or whatever, you know, could come out and make some money on this, but how does this affect NCAA Division II, NCAA Division Three, things like that? And it could get out of hand where you have some real high-profile business owners. Let's say this, like the Sukup family at Iowa State that shoves all this money in or Ryman or Berkshire or whatever it is. Like, they just, you know, we have an agreement with whatever X name five-star recruit that, oh, hey, if you come to Iowa State, we're going to pay you $100,000 a year to be our, you know, to be in a couple ads for us. That's where I think this starts to get, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to split this up and, you know, it, it could turn into the Wild West a little bit. The problem is, is this is already the point where California's passed it. There's already bills in the New York House, the Colorado House, and I think there's one more state out there that are trying to pass the same kind I of I did law. not know that. Coles, did you not know that? So, <laughs> um, so it's going to come across, you know, because the NCAA's between a rock and a hard place here. They can talk about kicking California schools out. But it's already in Colorado. It's already in New York. It's going to spread across the country before you before you know it. It's it's basically they're going to put pressure on the NCAA, and it's going to be like participate or you're not going to have an organization. Well, I anymore. think that's I think that's what will happen if the NCAA stays put with where they're at. Um, I think you could easily see the Power Five schools break away from the NCAA because they're the ones. The NCAA needs the Power Five schools a hell of a lot more than the power five schools need the NCAA. And I think pay to play is one thing that could cause something like that. The mentality has changed, um, in our college sports, um, atmosphere, you know, Tim Tebow came out and was talking some, some crap the other week on like college game day. And it's, he's not all about this, like pay the players type stuff. And that's fine. You can be in either camp you want. And he's like, we competed for the love of the school. Well, like what's that school giving you an education and some stipends. And you know, that's all well and good. That's more than I got when I went to college. So I get it. Like there's, there's stuff to be desired, but I also got into a a little spat with a, with a friend who actually ended up um, on the football team at Iowa and I won't name any names, but his big complaint was that he didn't have any money through college, even though like he had the stipends and the gear and, and the room and board and all this stuff. And that, that he got his free education and he was complaining about not being able to work a part-time job. And he, my, my simple statement back to him was, well, then you have to choose what's more important. Do you, would, do you need to make money through college or do you want to play college football? 
That's all there well, is to it. Do you want to not be like us and graduate with a pile of student debt? Right. Like you get to pick, dude. Like no one's got a gun to your head. If you don't want to play football and you don't feel like you have enough free time or you don't like not having a part-time job, you don't have to play. Right. You don't. No, I just, I like the opportunity. Um, kids should be able to make money off their likeness. I want to know. How do you, how do how you, do you make put, it fair? How do you, how do you, and it's not about fairness because it's, it's never going to be fair because the softball players and gymnasts aren't going to have the opportunities that the football players and men's basketball players are, are going to have. That's just not going to happen. Unless you can say, oh, this is the official pizza place of Iowa State Wrestling. You know, and then all the wrestlers are going to get 50 bucks out of the deal or something like that. You know, or it could be, you, or like Iowa State's endorsement fund. Like businesses can approach individual players for appearances, but those players appear on behalf of the football team. On, on, and it's all not, goes into a it's not Wilson Toyota. Brock Purdy is Wilson Toyota's go to place for a Toyota. It's Wilson Toyota, the official Toyota dealer uh, for Iowa State football, but Brock Purdy can do the talking. That's fine right. because then you make it fair. For the third stringers who are sitting there and nobody nobody pays attention to on a regular basis because they don't say hike. Right. You know, and then that money goes into cyclone football endorsement money and it's divvied up at the end of the year. And so basically you just thank Brock Purdy for it. Right. And granted, if he's a selfish person, he's gonna say, Well, I should get a lion's share of it because I did all that. Right. Like, I, no, I you went and stood in front of a camera. More problems, you know, things like that. Oh, this I is agree. all hypothetical. I just and here's the deal. I'm not one for, oh, it has to be fair, has to be this, because that's not the way the world is. That's not how capitalism no, works. No, um, If you're the most talented and you're the best at what you do and you work the hardest, great. You should be able to make more You money. should be rewarded. But at the same time, this is NC, this is college football and this is amateur athletics, um, and I don't want to put ourselves in a position where all of a sudden we're auctioning off the best recruits because ex-boosters ex want to pay this, because that's the fun part of this. And don't get me wrong, like, we don't. Five-star recruits don't make the big difference anyway. We see Iowa and Wisconsin and all these places win with two and three and four-star guys all the time. But I just think there's a lot of potential headaches. I think there's a little, there's just a lot of different things that could happen. Um, these schools, the NCAA is going to have a choice to make. Either they're going to let this happen or they're going to see mass exodus from their organization. We are going to see landscape changes in college football. The date. Um, the California bill comes into effect is 2023, so we're going to have three or four years here to kind of figure out how this is going to work and how this is going to play um, if they decide to allow California athletics to still be part of the NCAA. Um, I think the other thing we got to think about, too, is that, that little 2023 date, I don't know if you're aware of this, and if you're not a big conference realignment junkie like myself, um, you're probably not going to know this, but the Big 12, the Pac-12 – in the Big Ten, in the ACC, no, ACC does not. I take that back. They just re-signed. Big 12, Big Ten, and Pac-12 grant of rights. So basically, the TV contracts and the binding of these schools together, um, those all come due in 2023 and 2024. So if we were to potentially see some movement within conferences or conferences banding together and moving away from the NCAA – um, that'd be a, a you know, those d dates all kind of coincide. So mass conspiracy theory, I went over the heads of some people there in terms of the TV contracts, but um, it's kind of interesting just to see how that all works out. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that we're going to, like you said, see shake out between 
conferences, conference realignment, um, how people decide to divvy this money up because it's it would not be fair for the, you know, and like you said, I'm all for free enterprise as well. But, you know, I would I would feel really guilty as an administrator paying, you know, like just hypothetically each each football player gets an extra thousand bucks a month on stipend and the women's softball team gets 50 like that would that would feel so wrong. But it's no different. Look at this. It's no different than the scholarship situation. Like, think about this. Um, the football team gets 85 full scholarships plus stipends, plus meals, everything else. Um, wrestling, your college wrestling team, Iowa State is probably 35 wrestlers on the team. They get 9.9 full scholarships to divvy up amongst 30 of them. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, high-income sports are high-income sports, and it's going to be what it is going to be. It's just there's going to be a lot of things, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how this comes out. It's going to put – college athletics in a different spotlight it's going to put the ncaa in a different place i think we're going to see some monumental shifts shifts in college athletics and we're going to see things change to look more like you know it but it's not it's it's already seen changes the playoff don't be wrong we want to see the best teams play at the end of the year but the playoffs about money playoff will expand to six teams the, guaranteed the, the bowl games are all 40 bowl games is about money um, you know, all yeah, this you other start stuff. the bowl season with two five and seven teams playing each other. Like what, you know, it's, what are we doing? That's, that's what it's all about in the end. You know, it's not the olden days where, you know, we've got all these regional conferences and we can drive to every football game and, you know, the big 12 winner is going to play the big East winner in the orange bowl every year. And whoever that was voted number one is your mythical national national champion. I mean, it just stuff changes and that's the way it is. Times they are a changing. Yep. And, and that's why we're sitting where we are because we do not get paid to make those decisions. Um, the people up top, I mean, the NCAA has obviously got some work to do. They're, they're up against it with some of these, um, state legislatures. Um, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I'm, I'm here for it. I, uh, there are obviously a lot of really smart people in the positions that they're in to figure this stuff out, the business side of things. And I'm excited to see what develops. I, it's, it'll be great. I'm selfishly, I'm all about this in the sense of bring back NCAA football, baby. That's all that matters. Let me have it. And I got an Xbox 360, and with the glory of the internet, um, the very last NCAA football game release was NCAA 2014. Uh, 2014 Did it with have Denard Robinson on the Shoestring, oh, baby. Oh, no, excuse Shoelace. me. Shoelace. Shoelace. Shoelace Denard Robinson. So with, with an Xbox 360, if you have an Xbox Live subscription, I don't know if you knew this, but you can Google current rosters, and there are people who are willing to share the work they put in throughout the year to make those ratings, the team names, team coaches, everything. They'd redo that every single year. So right now I am uh, in the middle of a start of a dynasty. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, you get Brock Purdy as your quarterback. I, uh, How much fun is that? I won a national championship with East Carolina. That was pretty fun. <laughs> it's great. The Internet is an amazing place. I love that. You know, it can be very dark, too, so kids, be careful. Uh, but no, anyways, we'll, uh, we'll keep going here. Um, we're, we've, we've gone through our games to watch here. I've gone through my cash considerations. Um, okay. So I interrupted you because we needed to keep going. Um, we're going to, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Go back to this NFL quarterback. NFL hot take. Let NFL me, let me hear this hot, hot take. take. The quarterback position. We have never seen a time in the NFL where quarterbacks are making more money than probably half of the rest of the roster combined. Where guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are... He'll be the first $200 million quarterback. Yeah, are without a doubt the most indispensable players in the league. Um, you know, and truly elite quarterbacks are. At the same time, 
with NFL offenses changing, has the quarterback position never been more expendable than it is now? Say that question. Say that to me one more time. Have Has the quarterback position in the NFL never been more expendable than it has now? Case in point, look at certain things. Don't get me wrong. Another Patty Mahomes ain't coming off the bench. You know, guys like, you know, Tom Brady get hurt, things like that. But how often do we see the Jaguars? How pumped up was everybody about, you know, BDN, Nick Foles getting signed to the Jaguars? People thought, oh, hey, there's a lot of potential there. Might have pushed him over the edge. Well, might have pushed him over the edge. Might have been, you know, real playoff contender, things like that. He gets hurt in week one. And all of a sudden, we see Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew was a really good college quarterback, but I don't think anyone thought like, oh, hey, might be a nice NFL backup for a couple years and get into coaching or something. And that guy's, you know, playing really, really well. Um, we see something like this where Teddy Bridgewater, who was a nice NFL starter for Minnesota for a couple years, come in and uh, we, have a, we have a Hall of Fame quarterback go down to New Orleans and Bridgewater comes in. And don't get me wrong, they're not lighting up the lighten up the scoreboard, but they go and beat Dallas, who's probably the best team in the NFC at this point. I think Minnesota fans would would pay Kirk Cousins to go away if they could get Teddy Bridgewater back at this I point. I would agree with you, and, and he's another one, but his numbers, I mean, he's not been great, but I just think that we look at all these quarterbacks that have been drafted, and there's, you know, it used to be like, oh, we got to let these rookies sit around, and, you know, maybe they'll get a turnout and all these things. But we're seeing a lot of guys who weren't even highly, you know, you know, highly sought after guys, you know, that were first round picks coming out and, and playing really, really well in NFL offenses and, you know, without much hesitation. And at the same time, you know, you know, we talk about, you know, Pat Mahomes going to have a $200 million contract and all these other places. And when these quarterbacks sign these huge contracts, it's like contracts like Matt Stafford and all these other places, it really hinders the rest of your team in terms of what you can do from a salary cap standpoint. Are we going to get to the point where these college quarterbacks come out because the systems have evolved so much to help college quarterbacks and they come out? Like Kyler Murray, Arizona's not won a game yet, but his numbers aren't bad for playing behind an abysmal offensive line. You know, in places like that, Dak Dak Prescott was a nice college quarterback. But we've seen him come out and tear it up under Kellen Moore's offense. It did not expect, and even then, before this – before this year, last year, I think he played really well. Like I, yeah, I mean, he was above average easily, and like he, that's. I think it. I think it also kind of goes to a testament of development and peaking at the right time. Like, what if those moments Gardner Minshew had at Washington State or East Carolina before he transferred, those weren't even close to his peak, right? And it would the same can be said for Tom Brady. Obviously, not everybody's Tom Brady. That is an anomaly. But his best years were ahead of him after he left Michigan. Right, and I just think there's more and more times here where guys think like, oh, hey, just because you weren't a top 10 draft, would you quit playing with your, your junk over there? It's distracting. Um, Stop looking at my junk. They're yeah, sticky. Cole's got Bolta's hand down his pants. Let the record show that I do not have my hands down my pants. This is the radio. That, is, def- that, that. is definitely getting edited out. Uh, <laughs> um, but I just we're at this point where these guys coming in are not – you know, crazy heralded top 10 picks. And don't get me wrong, we're still seeing a lot of top 10 picks come in and struggle. But the quarterback position to me is we've never seen more guys that we didn't think, or even Jacoby Brissett, you know, guys who have been career backups come in and be very solid players. Marcus Mariota right now is leading the league in QBR. Let's not get carried away here, okay? I just think 
the position, you know what I mean, that's taken the most money. We know it's the most important position on the field. And if you don't have it, look at Minnesota. That's an elite team if they have even a good quarterback right now. But they paid Kirk Cousins like a good quarterback. Like an elite quarterback. Because he played yeah. like that at Washington. He played out of his mind, and he played into the money that he got. Right. Joe Flacco did the same thing about three separate times and finally got old enough that they had to move on from him. Right. But I just think we're going to see points now going forward where we have nice – and Dallas is at that point, Dak Prescott, where actually – but he's he's playing right now like it's going to be career and he's going to get paid. Um, and they're going to have to pay him. He's on his way. They're going to have to pay him. But we're at a place here where teams could look like, oh, hey, we can pay this guy $35 million, or we can you know look at this guy who's a backup and playing well and you know could be pretty good and just cut him loose and pay him $10. Um, I I just think we're at a turning point where NFL offenses are inputting more of college systems, more of this air raid stuff, more systems and making RPO these, stuff, making these college quarterbacks mm-hmm. more successful. And that's why you look at Mike Leach and all these different places where it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, just like Iowa running backs. It doesn't matter who's back there because their offense line scheme is so good and the scheme is good to make them a good player. We're seeing it now where I think they're translating that more to the NFL game and those Players aren't going to be Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, but they can be reputable starters in the league, and it's interesting for me to see. Yeah, it's it's fun. I love watching these little shifts, just like you pointed out. I mean, um, you know, I think if Cam Newton stays healthy with the with how dynamic he is, I think he could potentially have another MVP season with the like you said, the way that Kyle Allen's not playing bad though. No, I know, but I'm saying that. But that's the, another but, guy like. But the culture who the heck shift. Was Kyle Allen barely played at Texas A and M. Yeah, like. You know, it's amazing for me that guys like that who just, you know, no one even remembers who they are will come in and, and be good players. It's about grit, determination, buddy. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Um, you have anything fantasy football you want to talk about? What it, I mean, No, I should have beat Kelly. I played the wrong defense. That's all. I'm pissed about it. I should be undefeated. I only scored 106 points this week. My team fell so flat. That's because you suck. You're terrible. That's funny. I can't hear you. My rings were talking too loud. Championships, baby. Uh, no NFL, NFL stuff. I'm, I'm just kind of okay on NFL. I, I liked watching. I put a little bit of money down on Kansas City to cover against Detroit. That did not work out. Um, I put down money on the Seahawks minus five on the road in Arizona. The Seahawks are, I, I think, the Seahawks are 13 and one on the road against a rookie quarterback. Uh, yeah, that definitely came to fruition again. Um, and I took the Bears minus one and a half against the Vikings, and they won by 10. Speaking so. of the, you know, that's another one there, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel looks better Career than Career backup. 30, yeah, 35, 36 years old, and all of a sudden, yeah. oh, he even said it. He goes, this offense for me, because it comes in, it's that Kansas City, you know, there's a lot of that same reads, things like that. He goes, this offense for me works really good, you know, and he's a better fit there than Trubisky is, you know. I don't know what to make of Trubisky. I don't think that he's. Oh, I don't, for me, I don't. I don't game, think the, he's their answer. You were gonna adjust that microphone so many damn times, Dan. Like I'm gonna have to edit out all that feedback. Picking up my beer. You're such a shithead. The, the game that was most fun for me um, was the Browns going in and stomping the shit out of the Ravens. Oh, excuse me. I took Browns plus seven too. By the way, that was. I didn't see that one coming. Woo! So, Daddy's home. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> Um, okay, moving on. Um, enough NFL talk. Let's get into something I have been dying to talk about for about a week. Let's talk about these Major League Baseball playoffs. And I know that there's going to be a point here now that we're about a little over an hour, and I apologize for 
the length of time, but Dan and I have really had a nice conversation tonight, I think, and it's it's uh it's gonna continue to to bloom here because playoff baseball is a blast and right now we're watching Milwaukee at Washington. Milwaukee starts the first inning with a two run home run, comes back in the top of the second inning and hits a hits a solo shot. Uh, Washington is answered now, I believe, in either the bottom of the third or the fourth with their own um, solo home run. Max Scherzer has got one out, top of the fifth, two on, um, first and second, one on first, one on second. And, oh, man, that guy's mullet is majestic. Uh, I was going to put down some cash on Milwaukee. They were plus 180. Uh, I think they're going to win this game. Uh, Washington has proven us nothing over the past decade in terms of playoff runs. But um, out of the team, so you've got Houston is the one seed in the AL, Yankees two, Twins three, Tampa Bay, and uh, Athletics squaring off tomorrow is a four and five. You've got the one seed in the Dodgers in the NL. Uh, you've got the two seed in the Braves. Um, the three seed in the cards and then Brewers and Nats squaring off here for the chance to take on the Dodgers here. Um, who's your World Series prediction? Give me your NLCS prediction and your ALCS prediction. Do you have anything? I just know here's the series. I think what I think Major League Baseball wants to happen and what I think will be the best from a fan standpoint. I mean, what everybody wants to see that, you know, if their team's no longer in it, like mine isn't, although I don't really like either of these teams. Um, I definitely don't want to see the Brewers or Cardinals do it because no. screw those guys. F those guys. Like, Cardinal fans are like Hawkeye fans. Screw them. Um, They're an atrocity. Actually, more like Nebraska fans, let's say that. But, nah, that's pretty That's pretty insulting. <laughs> um, I, I think the one everybody wants to see is Yankees, Dodgers. It's time. Let's do it. I'd agree. It's finally time. I want to see. I want to see the Dodgers in the World Series. Like see the Yankees. I I want to see it happen. Houston with the best record in baseball, I believe. Um, I believe they had 108 wins. Uh, Yankees with 106. Uh, Twins with 105. Uh, Dodgers obviously had a historic year. I don't think they have any competition in the NL, and the only competition they do have, I believe, are the Braves. Um, Braves have a really young core. Um, Dansby Swanson has finally kind of played to his potential after being the number one overall pick um, about five or six years ago. Um, they've got uh, – shoot, they've got a, a Latino kid that's playing for him. Um, you don't say. Well, shoot. We I can't are re- watching baseball, right? Yeah. Their, I, their pitching staff I has been – I can't claim to be a Braves expert. No, so. I no, neither can I. Um, but I honestly – I'm going to call it right now. I think you're right. I think the Yankees and Dodgers is what everybody wants to see. I think the Twins might have a chance at an well, upset here. Here's the deal: here. if the Twins like Twins hit one, the most home runs in MLB history, well, they do. And in a three-game series or a five-game series, Trent, that's a shout out to you, buddy. I know you're a Twinkies fan. Oh God! Well, Northwest Iowa, there's a pile of them. Bill, Bill's a big Twins fan too. Um, in a five-game series, if the Twins can go in and sneak one out in New York, I mean, get hot. I mean, they it could happen. I mean, that, so that being said, you know, because it wants to be Yankees, Dodgers, we will see. Um, what are the two most small market teams out there? We will see Milwaukee, uh, Minnesota, because that will be the least appealing World Series for the MLB. Yeah, probably. The just two wild card teams. Two wild card teams go in. No, uh, I take that back. They're not a wild card. Minnesota won the division. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. It would. Uh, it's going to be, be the, a fun Midwestern series. Yeah, it but. would be. We would absolutely go to a game. Um, 
it it'll, it would be fun to watch the Yankees and Dodgers. I I think the Yankees are definitely the most polarizing team, um, by a long stretch. But um, let's dig into something you and I are a little bit more passionate about. Um, how about these Cubs just have an absolute train wreck of a final two months, ten game stretch of the season yeah. where they went six and zero um, late, or they had a six game stretch where they won six in a row um, in in mid late September. And or excuse me, it would have been early September. And then down the stretch, uh, they had the Reds come to town and got swept by the Reds, swept by the cards, swept by the Reds again, and then swept by the freaking cards or some BS like that. No, the Reds were last. The Reds swept them to end the year. I don't even know what no, it, it was. was Cardinals Who the, the hell like cares? One, one, Just an absolute yeah. dumpster fire of a way to end the year. Um, Joe Madden, uh, Sunday gets relieved. Um, not necessarily relieved, does not get his his contract, did not get his contract extended. Apparently it was a very mutual decision. Um, Theo Epstein comes out and says that Joe was the right guy at the right time for this team, but it's time to start a focus on a more team approach. Um, I read in a couple different spots that they thought they were too focused on individualistic opportunities and not very much as a team as a whole. Um, they're starting to look into a couple different front office positions like directors of hitting and pitching, which is essentially a fancy term for someone in an office that's going to do a little bit more of like a scouting role, I think. Um, apparently, these two positions have been added to a lot of different clubhouses throughout the MLB, and the Cubs are behind right now. And they have been playing like they've been behind for about two years now. Uh, the World Series hangover from 2016 is real. Uh, we saw them play fairly average in 2017, fairly average in 2019. You know, they did go to three straight NLCS game, uh, NLCS yep. playoffs and then got eliminated in the wild card last year, one game playoff against the Rockies, and then had an epic meltdown to not even make the playoffs this year. And I know it sounds like there's about three different people they're considering – David Ross being one of them, oh. which I don't agree with. I think that he would be a great what? fit. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of relations with these kids on the team right now. He's he's got a good good foundation with them, but he has legitimately zero experience at any, as, coaching, position. At any coaching position. Okay, he was a great player. He felt good from from 2016. That does not mean he's qualified. If they give him a shot, they give him a shot. I'm going to support him. Like that's fine. I would rather hire Marty Peavy. It sounds like, or, or Lattimore, or you know, the bench coach, it, or somebody like yep. that. It sounds like there's about three internal candidates they're looking at, and from yeah. the from what I heard, their uh, their statement about um, who they're looking at, there is at least two teams that they are, um, I guess, scouting. Scouting is not the word. They're looking at two external um, hires from teams that are in the playoffs at this moment in time. Oh, from like a bench coach. I, who knows. Well, the thing is with these coaches that already have, you know, are under contract, you'd have to trade for them. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, the one that scares me and that I think, you know, supposedly didn't take a managing job last year because he was going to wait for this job to open up. And maybe it would be good from a change of pace. Um, but we saw this team now succeeding a lot more without him than they were with is Joe Girardi is the rumor. I do I not hear. want Joe Girardi. You want to talk about a change of pace in, in the clubhouse. You go from Mr. Relaxed and Joe Madden to Mr. Uptight and Joe Girardi. Right. I, I don't want that. They said Mike Scotia might be another one. Sosha. Sosha. I, yeah, you know what I mean. Idiot. 
you are really dumb. Yeah. You, you are really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. From Mike the says, Angels. Yeah. Angels. Is his Which, contract up? Well, he no, because he he I'm trying to think was it last year? Oh yeah, I don't think he's on, he's Osmus, not with the Angels Brad anymore. Brad is there, and they said they just fired Osmus to because so he, this is his first year there. Most usually, <clears throat> excuse me, usually these managers you know always get two, three, four years, right? Except for Rick Renteria, which sounds weird. Big yikes! I'm I like Rick Renteria, big fan still. Um, was it because he lost 300 games or anyway, keep going. Um, they said that they let Osmus go just because Joe Madden's a free agent now and that there's potential for him to come back in to Los Angeles. Seems like he might be a good fit. Which for that LA. would be a good fit there. Yeah, I that'd think. be good. That'd be a good opportunity. for. I Joe. just, what is the chance that the Cubs have a better manager next year than they didn't Joe see Madden? that was my other thing too is that like i was all for turning the page and like let's well, I think let's, everything let's runs move to course. another yeah let's let's, everything let's, runs let's go course. to another chapter but the other problem that you run into is like well what's our other option like right. who, who do we get that's just it you're not gonna i mean aaron boone isn't gonna you're not gonna be able to hire away aaron boone from the yankees no you know i just don't know where where we're looking at here you know i Bruce Bochy? I don't know. You know, like, what are we going to do here? I want Aaron Boone, but he's already managing a team. Yeah. It's Big just, Aaron Boone And we're going to have to trade. And at the end of the day, don't wrong, something needed to change. With the way the Cubs ended their season and the way basically the last two seasons have gone of hot stretch, hit the, hit the cover off the ball, um, and go forward to the next week, can't hit anything, get one run a game, and it's a total dumpster fire. Pitching is inconsistent. The bullpen is terrible. And at the same time, the Cubs have put themselves, and Theo needs to take part of the blame here too, and Jed Hoyer, they've put themselves in this position. They did come out and say that, though, too. They said that the blame starts with them. So well, they, they've said that. You know, we traded away. Don't get me wrong. There's some good prospects still left in the system. But every time Eloy Jimenez, you know, hits a homer across town and all these other places, don't you think about everybody that we had we traded off for Adam Warren you know, or these places. Listen, you roll yeah. the you roll the dice, man. You I got mean, to. Your window was there because your yes, window was there. Your window and you was had there. Your window was but at there. the same time, you raided your farm system. And don't get me wrong, you've got a great young core on your team still. I still believe that. But something needs to change, and I don't know what it is. And don't get me wrong, Theo is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Whenever he decides to retire, I mean, there's no. I don't know how many baseball GMs are in Cooperstown. Um, but I, th- I don't think any. I think they're saying that he's, he'll probably be the first one. But it, it needs to happen. But at the same time, they handicap this team with a lot of big contracts to guys who at this point aren't worth it. Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward. Hugh uh, Darvish was better down the stretch, but he does not have a long time left. Um, Lester was probably, at the time, the most important and best free agent signing the Cubs have had. We saw him struggle quite a bit this year, and you wonder if he's not past the peak of his career at this point. Oh, he is. He's he's twilighting right now. Yeah, and so you're so, you're stuck with a pitching staff where Hamels is already going to be done. He won't get resigned. Darvish is you know past his peak. Lester is past his peak. Um, Hendricks is still. I think Hendricks is the best guy on your staff when he's healthy and when he can go with everything, but. And that's without retooling your bullpen at all. Um, we know Morrow's not coming back. Please get rid of Strope. Um, Kimbrel, you know, what did we sign him to a three-year deal? Yeah, two, yeah, three or four. And that doesn't look, you know, it needed to happen. They needed to do it. But. Just give him a little bit more time. We're going to give him a pass. But 
I think that my prediction is that you're going to see a lot of changes. I think you're going to see about four or five to six people get carried over and stay with the team. I think that um, Theo has come out and said that there's nobody that's untouchable. Um, and I really think that that can be true. But truthfully, I think that there really are a couple people um, in the organization that are untouchable. And I think Rizzo is going to be a cub for life. Right. I think Javi Baez is so young and so talented that he is he might be as close to a generational talent that we've seen on that team in a while. Well, he's he is, you know, one of the only guys for you tune in to like watch. And then this guy play. Wilson Contreras yep. is the best young catcher in baseball by a very wide margin. Right. By a very wide margin. And so that leaves down a couple people. I think that Jason Hayward's on kind of an expiring contract here. I think he's got maybe two or three more years left. Um, you could probably deal him to a team that needs some defensive help. He had his best season at the plate that he's had in a Cubs uniform this last year, and it's unfortunate we couldn't capitalize on that. Uh, from what I understand, Schwarber is apparently um, won the hearts and minds of front office folks over because from what I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, he has also been invited into the draft room during that process. Right. Evaluating talent, which is an incredible skill to have. So if they want to keep him around, I'm all for it. Alberta Almora Jr. I think is a great great piece, but you could you could deal a lot of these kids for some prospects. At a certain point, though, I think a couple years ago, would you have not gotten more for Almora, Ian Happ, you know, all these guys two years ago than you would have now? Yeah, Robel Garcia is another one that's coming yeah. off the top of my head. I think there there are some pieces here. Well, I think where Horner, to me, I think with them bringing up Nico Horner, I don't believe they brought him up just to trade him. I think they year. let people get a look at him at the the major league level and said, Addison "Yeah, we Russell, could do something with him." Addison him Russell, Addison Russell needs to not even be in the major leagues, but that's and now it, it comes down to one. And this is hard for for I think anybody who's a Cubs fan. And this guy was annoying at the chosen one. Everything else. You already know my stance on this. And you've thought this for a while already. Um, I still think this guy is an incredibly high ceiling. We saw him have one MVP season already, and we haven't brought up his name. Is the elephant in the room is Chris Bryant? I think I think you have to deal him. I really do, and it's not because I don't think Chris Bryant is incredible. I do. I think he is. He is one of the top three third basemen in in the league right now as well. But to me, this this right now, the Cubs organization feels like a strip the paint off. We're going to have to start fresh. We're, we have to change with this league. We have to develop differently. We have to scout differently. We have to evaluate differently. And this feels like a turning point for them. And I'm in the, I'm in the camp of let's build our farm system back up and let's do it all over again and then figure out how to sustain it when we get into a window where we can roll over and bring new talent up as these as these contracts these contracts get bigger and we're right. not signing these humongous free agents we're going to continue to roll in this young talent year after year i think that's where we need to go and we took a step back by taking a stab at it and that's what they're supposed to do right. they had the window they, the they window. made some trades the trades didn't work out damn it it didn't work Let's move on. The, well, the goal, Let's move the on. The goal was met. They won a World Series. They, the goal was met. Cubs fans across the world were rewarded. It's at a point now, though, you got to sit through the point where you have Javi Baez in his prime. You have Anthony Rizzo coming off his best season ever as a Cub. Um, you have Wilson Contreras, who is the best catcher, young catcher in the league. Are you willing to tear down the rest of your team with these three guys in their prime and win, 80, win 70 or 80 games a year? to restock and reload. 
the problem is, is I don't know if there's a bunch of young pitching in the farms. What they need is young pitching. I don't know if there's a bunch of young pitching in the farm system right now. And trading for young pitching would be great. You could probably get some. But guess what? It's going to be two or three years away. I don't know how any of this gets remedied and I think you have in to, a year or two. Yeah, I don't think so either. If you are going to strip down and trade away Chris Bryant and trade away all these guys, then you maybe look at trading away even a lot more and really thinking, hey, because it's, it's no middle ground. You winning 80 games you know, and things like that and not making the playoffs but isn't going to get you that much better. You either trade away and raid, raid everybody um, and – have to tear down this thing to the studs and rebuild or you're going to stay middling like you are right now. Yeah. And it's just, that's what, that's what I mean. Like they're at a crossing, they're at a juncture. They're at a T in the intersection. Are you going to turn left? Are you going to turn right? There's really no way to continue to attack this thing. They're not going to be a playoff team next year. It's pretty apparent. Um, it, it, it just going to kind of depend on what they can get out of the talent that they have now and if they can draft well enough and develop well enough with some of the people that they have at the lower levels and the double A and, and triple A systems, if they can develop some of that talent to, to make it to the big leagues within the next two years and capitalize on a Javi Baez, um, you know, contract uh, and, and capitalize on some of Rizzo's Rizzo's peak years here. I think they can do it. I don't know how um, that's why they're getting paid the money that they're getting paid and we're getting paid to do what we do. So I think which is not podcasting. Which is not podcasting and it's why we're in my basement. Uh, I think there's there's gonna be some interesting changes over the offseason and I'm excited for it. I think we've got one of the most exciting I think prospects as a fan base right. to watch our team. Like we get to watch how Theo we and get to Jen, watch them do it all over again. We get to watch them react and we get to watch them make their business decisions and we get to trust them on what we do. And we don't agree with everything they do all the time. Just like we don't agree with what Joe Madden did and all of his in-game decisions, but that's not why he got, that's not why he didn't get extended. He got a, he did not get extended because Theo said it. And you got to take it from the horse's mouth where they were ready to turn the page. It's a different chapter, right? I hope everybody's excited as I am to read that chapter because I think it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be fun to get to see them do it all over again. Um, and you got to start. Here's one more plug. You can trade away these Hayward and stuff. Do not let anybody else grab Castellanos. That's just me. Yeah, Nick so. Castellanos was a blessing in disguise. I think if we had, didn't have him, we might have lost the last 20 games of the year and not the last right. nine. So, so. But that's my Cubs take for now. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's fun. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to develop. Um, man, these Washington fans are not a fan of this umpire. They're really giving it to him. But um, with all that being said um, – Dan, we've been we've been broadcasting here over the uh, non-existent airwaves for over an hour and a half. Oh shit! Yeah, we've been chatting it up. It's been good. It's been really fun. We've had a lot to talk about. But uh, yeah, I guess with all that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed it this time around. Uh, go vote on the uh, the locks of the week on my on our poll on our Twitter. Uh, like us, follow us, share us, retweet us. Um, you know, we we really appreciate all that um, support. Um, it's been really great feedback so far. Uh, recommend us to your friends. If you know they don't listen to it, if you know they're enthusiastic about the Cubs or the NFL, you know, let them know that we're not just college football junkies. We got a lot of other stuff, a lot of other stuff we like to cover. Um, you know, we're going to get another microphone here. Hopefully we'll be able to have some of our uh, first ballot Hall of Famer listeners on with us every once in a while and get a third mic in here and let them yell with us because that's always a good time to add a, add a third set of lungs to <laughs> add important gas on the fire here. So, Dan, what else you got for me, buddy? That's all I got. 
All right, kids. Well, enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy the rest of the week. Go clones, baby. Thanks for listening.